0: Welcome back. I'm here today with Gary Rogers, and Gary's been a longtime resident of the Bay Area and also has done many successful ventures, probably most noted for Dryers Ice Cream. Uh, and Gary, welcome to today's
1: show. Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: So, Gary, for the, for the listeners, can you give your background and uh, things that you've done to bring you up to today?
1: Okay. Well, I was born in California, grew up here, grew up in Marin County before it was Marin County. It was a very rural agricultural dairy area when I was growing up there. And, um, you know, went to public schools, um, wound up at the University of California as an engineering student, Uh, graduated there after a lot of different activities, Um, wound up. Doing two years in the Army in those days, we all had to do ROTC, and you had a choice of either being drafted or getting your commission if you took four years of ROTC. So I did the latter, found that to be a really good experience. Went on to the Harvard Business School, which was really a right turn for me. I certainly hadn't expected it, but that, um, that too was just an amazing experience. I was scared stiff. Um, I tell a quick little story here. A friend of mine had 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 me as an usher in his wedding and his usher gifts. He'd given me a silver cross pen, which I thought was a really cool deal. So when I went to Harvard business school, of course, we all wear coats and ties and I had my silver cross pen and I was ready to take notes. Well, my first class, I looked to the right gold. I looked to the left gold. I looked up behind me in this amphitheater <laughs> classroom, gold. And I went home and I told my wife, you know, honey, we just aren't going to make it here. We, this is not, this is too much. But I, I survived. I actually wound up, they call it a Baker scholar in the top 5% of my class and went on to McKinsey and Company, which was kind of the place everybody wanted to work in those days. And I think still is a great place for business school graduates. And then wound up founding a restaurant company of all things. And the short story there is we opened five restaurants and went broke. (laughs) I think that's something every successful businessman ought to do. (laughs) I really had to pick myself up off the ground with, you know, no money. I had four kids at home all under the age of seven. I really didn't want to go back to work for anybody else because I'd had the joy of having my own company, even though we'd failed. And I wound up, Buying Dryers ice cream with a million dollars of other people's money, and uh, we built Dryers into the largest ice cream company in the United States. Sold it to Nestle for 3.2 billion dollars, and that was 10 years ago, or actually 12 years ago, because I stayed on for two years and ran Dryers for Nestle after they owned it. Um, and then since then, I've done a wide variety of things. I've I've sat on many many boards. I've you know, I was chairman of Levi Strauss for a, number, for a number of years. I was chairman of Safeway for a number of years. I was chairman of the San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank for, four year, for two years. I was on the board for six. But interestingly, I was there in the financial crisis. So Janet Yellen was my president. I can say that the most powerful person in the world, who I think the Fed chairman is, I think the most powerful person in the world worked for me. (laughs) It's kind of fun. Uh, And uh, I'm still, you know, I think I'm on six boards currently, three for-profit boards and three more philanthropic boards. I'm very involved in the Oakland community and, um, and have a wonderful family of four boys and 11 grandchildren and uh, life is good. It, I'm about to be 75 and I can <laughs> smile at sort of, you know, what's happened as I've gone down the trail and I've still uh, very much enjoying life.
0: You know, it's an amazing life. And, uh, you know, I, j- I just know here after all these great accomplishments, you... You you christened all this with your family and your and your grandkids, and I, I think that gives us perspective in life, doesn't it? <laughs> the older you get, the more you realize that's
1: really what it's all about. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: Well, Gary, I want to I want to roll back and, um, uh, you know, spend a little bit of time uh, going through your your dryer's experience. Most people go to the, the grocery store and they they see that brand every week, and uh, still a very prominent brand. Um, However, I'm running up against a break right now. Okay. And so I'm visiting here today with Gary Rogers. Uh, He's a longtime entrepreneur, resident of the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, philanthropist. And uh, after we come back from the break, we'll talk about dryers. Great. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay. Since you can't take your wealth with you, spend time with your family. Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Gary Rogers. And Gary has been a longtime entrepreneur, philanthropist, and resident of of the Bay Area community. And, and, And Gary, in the first segment, we talked about uh one of the you had ventures before, but one of the most notable ventures that you did was that of purchasing dryer's ice cream in nineteen seventy six right company was founded in nineteen twenty eight right so what what did you do different It was a relatively small regional company at the time but uh how did you how did you take that from what it was to what it
1: became? Well, I think my answer is mostly about people but we also did some things right strategically. Uh, when when I bought the company, the the owner at that time took me out behind the plant and he showed me seven or eight beat up twenty year old ice cream trucks. And of course, my instincts as a Harvard Business School grad and McKinsey consultant, and all that was well. We, you know, we'll sell the trucks. And I knew that all the big grocers operated ice cream warehouses. and you, almost all the ice cream pistols through the warehouse and the chain themselves would handle the distribution and the stocking of the stores. And that was, I mean, that was my first idea to get this company on track. But this, this owner said to me, he said, it's very simple. He said, Gary, whatever you do, don't sell the trucks. And I'd just gone broke in the restaurant business. And so I thought, maybe maybe it wouldn't be smart to take the primary advice that the former owner had given me and just ignore it right out of the blocks. So we started off with what they called direct store delivery. And that became our probably our key strategic element. And what we found was that there were a lot of reasons why handling the ice cream yourself right to the cabinet. Uh, you know, just briefly, I, I, you know, these grocery uh, employees are always overworked. The ice cream tends to sit in the aisle when they're stocking it at two in the morning. Ours was a premium ice cream. You know what happens to ice cream if it melts before it gets back into the freezer. And then by having a relationship with the store level people, our salesmen could gradually get more space. They could say, well, haagen didn't fill their cabinet, their their shelf this today, let us fill it for you. Or, you know, there's a little space down here that really isn't used properly. And at store level, you could do a a tremendous amount of selling. In the previous company, they had called it uh, ice cream drivers. We called them ice cream salesmen. And just that little change made a huge difference. And we, ter- we turned out to be the most overstocked ice cream. We had more shelf space relative to our sales than anybody else in the industry. And that proved to be a really key element of our strategy. And we It also facilitates something called um, scan-based trading, where instead of having the store clerk come out when we showed up with our truck and count the ice cream as we brought it into the store and handle it, invoice and all that sort of thing. We we were able to have the grocer incur his obligation to us. The ice cream would be put in the store uh, you know, on, a, on a basis where it was still our ice cream. It wasn't the store's ice cream. It was on consignment. And when the ice cream went over the scanner, the grocer incurred the obligation to us at the same time that he took money from his customer. And they really liked that. And they would pay us the following Monday for all the ice cream that had gone over their scanner the preceding week. Well, what that did, in addition to being a much more efficient way of, of handling the the ice cream and the transactions through the store, it gave us the knowledge of what the store had sold. We always we always knew what it had bought from us. But now by knowing what it had sold, we knew by definition exactly what the inventory was in the store at all times, you know, day by day. And so we could route our trucks the way UPS does. I mean, if a store didn't need service, we'd just pass it by. And that made us much more efficient. But the really different thing we did is – we developed a culture that was probably the biggest element in our success. And we were very careful who we hired. If, if you came to work for us, you'd probably go through six or seven really intensive interviews. And it was very hard to get on board. But once you were an employee, you were trusted. You If you came to work for us, we would give you a business card with your name on the front and whatever your title was. You turn it over, it would say, Company Philosophy. Use your own best judgment at all times. And we practice that. We had something we called the upside-down organization, which meant that as CEO, I was at the bottom of the where the pyramid was sharp and it was digging into the ground, and that the we had this philosophy that the people that really made for the success of the company were the people who made the ice cream, the people who delivered the ice cream, the people who sold the ice cream, Um, and we tried to sort of invert the way the whole organization worked so that the people who did the real work got the credit. And that, that had huge, it had a transformative impact on the company. We, we also trusted our people beyond any company I've seen. I mean, we we felt that the person who was on the front line, the person who had the responsibility for a issue, probably had a better perspective on it than anybody else in the company. So, if you work for me and you came to me with a suggestion, I would hear you out. I would give you my honest opinion of what I thought the pros and cons were. But at the end of that conversation, I would say, Alan, you decide. Now, that seems like a fairly simple thing. But, you know, having worked in companies, I know that the subordinate always expects the superior to make the decision at the end of a conversation like that. And if you think about that, if you're a good employee, you're a good soldier, you go off and you try to make that decision effective. But if it doesn't work, you know, and you say to yourself, well, Gary made the decision. I didn't. But if I say to you, you decide, it takes that all away. And now you're responsible for the decision. You're also responsible for the outcome. And so I've come to believe that you decide are the two most powerful words in the English language. My wife, my kids are so tired of having me say, you decide when there's a family decision to be made. But it is amazing, amazingly effective. So that's just one example. I mean, we had a lot of other, I give you a lot of other examples of the kind of things we did. But our people were so loyal and so committed and, and they knew they were trusted. You know, it was okay to fail. We encouraged failure. And uh, it was terribly powerful for us.
0: I'm busy here today with Gary Rogers, and Gary is uh, most noted for his uh, role at Dryers Ice Cream, but Gary, um, you, you've done a lot of other things, but I'm running up against the-